Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? She, she was uh, so wonderful on the live podcast, the Live in Denver, yeah, podcast that Kate Berland had to come in for a one-on-one, and she was just wonderful. She's absolutely one of the funniest uh, performers out there today, so check her out if you ever get the chance. And here, oh, and I hope that didn't mess up. I just got a 20%, 20% battery warning on the old iPhone. <laughs> I hear on the 6, it lasts a little bit long Sorry, that was weird. <laughs> Here's uh, my tour dates coming up uh, just by city. You can go to PeteHolmes.com if you want more details. But here are the cities coming up. Des Moines, Madison, Wisconsin, Phoenix, Arizona, Brooklyn, New York, Chicago, Illinois, and then Fayetteville, Arkansas. That's for students only, the University of Arkansas. Boston at the Paradise, Iowa City. Uh, that's, yeah, University of Iowa. That's not on sale yet. Anyway, Bloomington, Indiana, and Washington, D.C., all of those are available at PeteHolmes.com. Let's get into this uh, wonderful episode. The sponsor is Dollar Shave Club. Everybody, come on. This is a serious thing. They've sent us... This is a serious thing. They've sent us uh, these, these Dollar Shave kits. They're awesome. And I, I have to agree, there's nothing worse than buying razors. you got to remember that you need them in the first place. Then you got to sit in traffic at the store. you got to find that locked plastic fortress they keep them in, which sucks. Because there's only one guy with the key, and he's always in the back texting his girlfriend probably bragging about how he has the key to all the razors they're like three thousand dollars because they have a corner on the market which is horseshit i don't know if i'm supposed to swear on these ads but it is it's horseshit and i'm never doing it again because i joined dollarshaveclub.com so for just a few bucks a month dollarshaveclub.com delivers great razors directly to my door it's so much smarter than going to the store their plans are just three dollars a month they only sign up once takes like two minutes two minutes if you're real fast and have some auto fill in it's like one and a half and you sit back and the blades arrive like clockwork. You can shave with a fresh blade every single week. No membership fee, no commitment, and they have money back guarantee. So you got nothing to lose by trying it out, so do it. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash weird and, uh, and support the show and get some dope-ass fresh razors instead of using that gnarly one where the, you know, the, the moisture strips completely worn off and the third blade starting to look like something from the movie Lab Month. All right. Enjoy uh, those dates again. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do the tour dates again. But if you'd like to see me live, go to PeteHolmes.com. Good dates coming up. Good dates. Want to see in Brooklyn. Want to see in Chicago. All right. Enjoy. Kate Berlant, everybody. Yay. Kate <laughs> Berlant. She does a dance. She does. This is your seat. He oh. does. I could have just told you that, but I was singing. Does a dance. Kate Berdance does a lant. Does a lant. It's Kate Burdance. Hello. Here your earmugs. Oh, my God. Would you like them? Imagine if I didn't. Wear them? Some people don't. How's your hair? It's so thick. <sighs> Thank you. I didn't know women were like that until I started <laughs> dating them. But they, like, compare. We, we talked about that a little bit on the live podcast. But they, oh, yeah. I they don't talk think about, they really. You don't think so? Kate. Katie. <laughs> Kate. Kate. <laughs> Katie. Hey. Too many Kates in this room. There can only be one. <laughs> <laughs> and you humorlessly assassinate her. <laughs> what I was referencing on the live podcast that you just did, I wonder if this will come out first or that will come out first. 
God, we're recording too many. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was. I said, "Will he? Will he have me on the one-on-one? Is it because over saturation?" <laughs> I was panicked. I am starting to say uh, we're just not recording for a bit. After this, we'll probably take a little breather. Yeah. I'm going on vacation. Mm. I've never gone on a vacation, really. Really? Where are you going? Hawaii. Oh my God, I've heard of it. <laughs> I went on my first sort of vacation recently. Mm. And I was very anxious the whole time. Why? Uh, just, I mean, I went to Cabo with Emily Heller and Ron Funches. I know those and, people. And um, Lisa Hannibal and Adam Conover. And it was very fun. But it, I did have a deep well of just kind of anxiety that I didn't mention to anyone. So if they listen, they'll know. Oh, really? Was, Why didn't you mention it? You didn't want to ruin their fun in Cabo? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of like resort culture is like kind of upsetting. You're like, oh, the violence. You know, you're just kind of in this one area. It just. You mean like a college in a bad neighborhood? You just have a bubble of goodness. And I'm like, oh, you know, $14. Or safety. Yeah, quesadillas and the people that are like serving it to you. You're just like, you hate me. And I completely understand. Do they? Maybe not. I, th- I mean, I mean, I don't know either. I see your point. I'm just kind of like when I whenever I'm at a resort mm-hmm. uh, place, which is very rarely. I, I've actually never been to a never like, been beach. on a vacation. Well, I have. I realize I've been to. I went to Amsterdam once. That was like a proper vacation. Yeah. And uh, this is this is the first time I've done what I would consider the Pictionary clue drawing of a vacation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to be sipping a coconut <laughs> on a white sandy beach. Yeah. Now. Every time I've thought about that or even considered, I've been like, I have to imagine that's a pretty sweet job because, yeah, you're bringing a, a man a, a pulled pork sandwich, but you're walking on the sand and it's beautiful. You're surrounded by beauty. Right. You're hypothesizing now. <laughs> Their ankles are chained underneath the, um, <laughs> the tables. It's the same there. as working at a Staples or something. And I'm not shitting on working at right. Staples. I'm just saying at least you get a glorious sunset. I guess it's just the tourism. Like one night we like went more into the town, but it was still – you just – those – I mean Cabo is such an exaggerated example of that. Yeah. When like, tor- like tourism economy mm-hmm. is just like so kind of bloated and – Right. Weird. And if you're not in it, you're out of it. And if you're out of it, it's like almost – Classist. Yeah, oh, completely. It is classist. And I'm like, oh my god, a, f- a trinket, you know. And I'm like, but isn't this there's blood on it? You know? Aren't we partially, at least, being in America, a first, a first world, mm. a first world country? Right, right. It's like you know, when you're upper class, you always say you're upper middle class. <laughs> I always want to call America a second. We're like a second world country. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there yeah. is no second, second world. <laughs> Just a downplay. But toward the. But isn't that how it is to the whole world? I mean, you live here and, and a lot of uh, – we both live here. And a lot of people <laughs> in the rest of the world are, you know, selling trinkets. Yeah. Or Fanta. Yeah, yeah. And you have to return the bottle. It's weird. Oh, my God. Thank God we're here. I have an $8 smoothie in my left hand. You sure and do. And a variety. Yeah. <laughs> and I also have an $8 smoothie. There are going to be seeds all in my teeth. I hope so. How do, well, then how do we reconcile that? I guess I thought you were going to say that you we can't necessarily tackle that socioeconomic problem. On this Particularly market. at the front of the podcast, you know. Well, I mean, what else are we going to do? Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's dive right in to the global inequalities. <laughs> well, I'm just so out of, out of my depth. But TJ just did the podcast, TJ Miller, and he was talking – he had this really interesting philosophy where he's like somebody, like a homeless person or like a rich business person. He's so removed from the equation that he's kind of like, what's the difference? Like he doesn't see any difference. We put value on things and I'm kind of 
I actually didn't talk much in that podcast. I just listened. It was really interesting. But we put value on things. And then that becomes society's idea of value. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like a resort community, presumably, uh, and let's take basic needs being met out of the equation because I'm not going to say that somebody that's starving or, or is homeless uh, is really glad about that. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know what TJ would say. He's kind of he's kind of off the rails in that beautiful way that he's like, we think because of the values that are reinforced through television culture, all that money, all that sort of stuff, that the people in the resort with your feet in the sand drinking the pina colata, that's the winner. And the loser is the guy bringing the drink because he's only making $4 an hour, let's say, if it's some weird fucking backwards economy that's unfair. Uh, so we look at that and, and I'm with you. I bet that guy would prefer to be making more. But, like, what is it? Like, what is life? Because he, he even goes, and I'm going to put this to you in a second, but he even goes so far as to say, like, a longer life isn't even necessarily a better life. Like, we think a right. longer life is better. We think having a house is good. We think having children is good. But he's zoomed out so far, and I don't mean to get existential right at the top, yeah. that he's kind of like, what is, uh, not in an abandoned way, like, what's the difference? But he's kind of like, what is the difference between me and, and, the, and the homeless guy? And let's go with the, class, the type of homeless guy that just seems to, and I don't even know if this exists, but I don't want to be like a guy that got locked out of his house and he's sleeping under a bridge for the first time. But like the lifer, the guy that's like, nah, man, I'm off the rails and, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. and I'm fucking into this. Like Robin Williams in The Fisher King. Rest in peace. Right. That character, not. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Um, yeah, you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you mean you're gonna leave? <laughs> I mean, yeah. That zoomed out. I guess for me, the ability to zoom out is obviously a place of like such elevated privilege. So it's oh, you know, so yeah, like, true. So it's a kind of like to have the luxury to distance yourself from those those inner workings and those structures of power yeah. and wealth is like. Obviously, I think he's coming at it from a sympathetic kind of humanist idea in his mind. Or, sure. you know, like what you're describing is like, and, and yes, of course, we're here and there's no, you can't, um, how do you assess leave. other people's experience? <laughs> what? You, I'm still laughing and I'm going to leave. How can you assess other people's experience? But you think yeah, that's a... But I am, but I do think that seeing um, kind of a common, seeing like the commonality between the businessman and like the homeless guy in the corner and kind of wondering if they're as distant as they as it seems like they are. I, right. I think that they are very distant. Right. And you do think objectively, and, and I, I'm, I'm with you, it's better to... That's why I was trying to say basic needs being met. Let's go right. to the waiter serving you the drink at your okay. club met in Cabo. Okay. You know what I mean? Presumably he doesn't have as much money as he wants, mm-hmm. but isn't... Like, so many people don't have as much money as they want, including the very wealthy, which are idiots. I'm just saying if you're eating and you have love and you have a family... I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who yeah. knows? I but I like talking in my ass. I think it's a safe place to talk out of your ass. Nobody's going to be like, he doesn't know shit. Yeah, yeah. Even though I don't, I, I'm, I'll be the first to say it. Yeah. But I thought you were going to say you got anxious at the beach because you're a comedian and it's hard sometimes, especially if if I may, somebody like you who's kind of on the cusp of really breaking through. And I believe that. I think you're so funny. So talented. Oh, my God. I just had you here. To Peter. Say, so funny. <laughs> so talented. And I don't mean to say that I'm uh, in a different class, but I do feel like I pass through that anxiety wall yeah. that is necessary, David Copperfield style, great wall of anxiety. Yeah. Oh, you're post-cusp. I'm post-cusp. Yeah. Beca- and now I can go on a vacation. or ne- And I'm not saying, I'm, believe me, I'm just like you. I'm constantly working, constantly thinking about things and all that sort of stuff. But not so much that I can't, you know, go swim with some turtles. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> oh yeah, no, but and that's the other source is just that feeling of like, well, cool, I'm just doing nothing, and right. what right do I have? Well, we um, feel like we need to earn vacations. Yeah. yeah, I had a kind of enforced vacation, and it was almost a religious experience. I was on um, tour with this band called Lofang, and I got really sick. I got the sickest I've been since I was a kid. And I had a horrific ear infection and I couldn't fly or Yikes. anything. And I was on steroids, antibiotics. And it was I was having so much fun. It was just, it was three weeks, I think. Wait, because you were sick, you went on a, that's what you mean by forced vacation. No, no, no. I was, I was, I was sick at the beginning of this tour. I got yes. better. Yes. And then it came back and it got worse. Ooh. And then I was like, I couldn't keep going. Like oh. I was just like in such bad shape that I was like, this is, I was we, the final show. I was, we were at the Bowery ballroom in New York. Mm-hmm. And that night I was like so sick. I didn't think I could do it. I did it. And then the next day we were going to drive like 12 hours, you know, and then the next, like the next three days were like 12 hour drive days. And, um, anyway, I got so sick and then I was sort of stranded in New York and I didn't really see anyone. There were about six days where I didn't see anyone. I didn't do a show. Mm. I was kind of completely in isolation. I wasn't, drinking any coffee, any alcohol. I didn't have any sugar, really. I just, like, all my usual <laughs> kind of, like, pillars of identity mm-hmm. and sort of, like, everyday experience were gone. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I didn't read a book. <laughs> of course, I was just watching Netflix, but I really... It, still unplugged. It was really... It just felt, not the internet. <laughs> yeah. Just not the streaming TV. Yeah. But I had deep anxiety the first few days. I was so upset to have to leave this tour and then just, I didn't do a show for six days. There was mm. nothing. Mm. And it was in kind New York. of, yeah. And you are going to say what's kind of? Almost like religious in the way of how I kind of felt like a different person. Yeah. And I, then it was really comforting to kind of come out of that. And at first I was like, am I going to know how to do comedy again? Mm-hmm. How am I? And then, and then coming back to it, just experiencing myself totally outside that world, mm-hmm. which I haven't for years mm-hmm. for those, for that many days. Those things that you have to, ch- it, it's, I think comedians are peculiar in that way that when you stop doing it, Kumail says this all the time. It's the only thing that if you stop doing it for a week, you forget how to do it, yeah. <laughs> which is true. Yeah. You can go up and say the words, but it's not going to be the same. You're not really going to c- connect. And especially the type of act that you're doing. You're not just going like, I grew up in Manhattan. Should be <laughs> woman Manhattan. I'm a lady. Am I right? You can have that. Yeah. Uh, okay, but uh, you're you're more of a performer, and it, it requires, I think, having to do it all the time. But I, that, I understand that idea of a religious experience. I've had moments like that, and they're actually quite unpleasant. And I don't think you meant necessarily pleasant. You just meant really alienating, real redefining. But also, I think healthy or important to then remember that you are outside of the the sort of like the daily ritual or, or that pace that comedy imposes on you that you can exist outside of it yeah you may not like the way it feels but you're still there well you know what that somehow makes me think of is we spend so much of our childhood in that space and i think that's one of the reasons why i like i saw that movie boyhood mm-hmm. boyhood mm-hmm. boyhood is the uh, porno version <laughs> oh no i didn't mean children oh god i didn't mean that uh oh no still feeling bad about it what, um, I saw Boyhood and I didn't like it. Why? Because it so perfectly captured what it feels like to be a child. Yeah. Like growing up. A boy. A boy, really. Yeah. And, and, and that's a shit feeling. I hate it. I can't put it in my rear view enough. I want to be as far away from it as I can. So if I am sick and I'm unable to do things or, or I've had times on the road when I'm in between shows, but there's like a long time and I'm in some sort of like desert community. Yeah. Like I've done that and I know that feeling where you're like, Oh, there, there's things that you do that 
keep you in touch with who you think you are and who you'd like to be. And then there's just the you that's just you. That's just like an infant that's all instinct and reactive. And you're just like, mm, I want a sandwich. <laughs> I got a shit. And, and we hate that. We hate living like that. Yeah. Would, would rather. It's funny because I think I so often, not so much anymore, but I used to kind of like want to be a child again or like in some strange way mm. or feel like um, maybe more tied to like my child self. Then that it's I even understand. healthy. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I used to kind of have almost like a hoarding te- tendency to hold on to like every fragment of my childhood, like all oh. my, just kind of everything, like old homework. Like I think I still have like every homework assignment I've ever done somewhere. <laughs> That's yeah. great. But then I would really engage in these like every year after school would let out like third grade i'd burn a lot of the homework ah. actually set it on fire like a ritual yeah yeah but then like Why? save my favorite pieces but what was <laughs> what was the feeling behind it I really, were you, were, did you not like school and you're like fuck school or were you like <laughs> i'm passing like i'm shedding my skin i think it was more that <laughs> i think it was really trying to like enforce birth upon myself and i had these parts of myself that then i kind of grew out of um relatively ashamed to say i used a baby bottle till i was like seven years old really yeah that's old that's old <laughs> i found a picture of myself recently i instagrammed it that's caperland um and <laughs> it looked like flavor flavor it's myself in like a tinkerbell costume with a motorcycle jacket and just like sucking on a baby bottle I, and, I, and i know there's coca-cola in it yeah that really is yeah flavor flavor that's what he did <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and then i but one day the way my parents told me is that one day I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I made them film me. I was like, film me, throw these away. And they filmed me and I threw them away. And then I never mentioned it again. Because of the filming? Yeah. I like, so you're like a ritual person. 100%. And I've, I'm, I've broken outside of it. Yep. But it's still totally there. But we need it. Didn't we yeah. talk about that a little bit when we were, we did that show at the Masonic Lodge mm-hmm. and I was like, these guys get something that we're all starving for. And I'm not saying you need to become a Freemason and, and do uh, strange, I'll just, with not judgment, just atypical. <laughs> well, strange is judging. Stra- <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> strange in the way that if I saw a pigeon uh, that was completely golden, yeah, that's yeah. not bad. Yeah. It's strange. It's beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> Other. I'll say a- <laughs> I'll say atypical. Okay. Uh, they they do things that would pro- maybe make people uncomfortable. Presumably, I don't know what they're doing. But like, we are missing ritual. Like that's something I was never in the high church, but I get it. Like high church meaning stained glass and confession and and the priest uh, has an incense love and all that. that. So I love it too. I thought you were rolling your eyes because you hate it. Love it. That was I ecstasy. Lo- I love it too. <laughs> yeah. We like it. They, I just read this study that said if you, for example, would like to quit doing something, uh, writing all the things you'd like to stop doing down, like objectively, not with any judgment, like stop being a fucking dumbass, but be like stop uh, putting things off or that you don't need to blah, 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 yeah. quit smoking, blah, 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 and uh, tear it up mm. or uh, sprinkle salt on it, then tear it up. People are, are more likely to stick with those things according to one study. I totally buy that. I buy it too. Yeah. I had my friend burn, set fire to pictures of her old uh, boyfriend. Perfect. <laughs> just because she was holding, she was yes. holding on to them. She showed me kind of out it's of shame. It's just so much shame. better she was than like, hitting delete. These. And I was like, just set them on fire because it's somehow empowering. It is. <laughs> or um, no, it is. But I, oh, I, I totally believe that. I like write down things, you know, yeah, obsessively. Of course, obsessively. Yeah. 
Maybe. Sure. Or like, I feel the need to like I've kept probably well, you wanted like, to be filmed as a child. I mean, I yeah, get it. Yeah. And that, I think it's also an only child thing. Like I used to film myself a lot. <laughs> the like, camera is my baby brother. Truly. Really? Yeah. No fooling? But also it's very weird because I'll, I'll watch them and I'm always saying like, you guys, I'm always referring to an audience that's not there. Kate, I did that too. And <laughs> when I looked in the mirror, it was my monologues. Like yeah. before we had reality TV, I used to do my confessionals into the mirror. Oh, completely. Oh, the it. mirror. Huge. I mean, that's also where totally like making faces completely came out of just me in front of the mirror. Of course. Self-entertaining. I used, I still can make myself laugh with, oh, yeah. with a good mirror. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hand mirrors. I just look at my butthole. <laughs> I mean, it really gets me every time. No, I used to like enter the frame and it wasn't really mimic. I guess it probably was mimicking TV, but like, you know, I was just thinking the way that Conan does that, like he'll duck in and out of frame. I wasn't mimicking anyone directly. I was just kind of like, what if this is the screen and I'm like coming in and out and, yeah. and making faces and, and, yeah. and genuinely laughing. Me laughing at myself started very young. Yeah. Thinking that that was really funny. Yeah. I also remember, oops, sorry. Oh, no, no, I just, it was a memory that wasn't verbal. <laughs> just was, I looked up and, uh, yeah. I just want you to know, I used to feel real bad for uh, jerking off. So I mm-hmm. would often burn the thing mm-hmm. that I jerked off to. But that is like oh the bad, I know, that is like the bad version of it, I suppose. That is, that's equus. You know what yeah, I mean? You're whipping yeah. yourself. And, and that probably, it took so much therapy and still takes therapy for me to ask the very simple question of how did you feel when you did that? Did it, did you feel relief when you did that? And I still don't remember the answer. My guess is that I felt relief. Like I wouldn't just throw pornography away. I would like burn it. Yeah. And I really – also I knew if I don't burn this, like it's not even tomorrow. It's 20 minutes from now. I'm going to be back on the horse. Mutilation. <laughs> Just got my own it deck It does off. something, yeah. <laughs> but I'm with you. I, I just yeah. agree. We both share a love of rituals and have had rituals my whole life. In fact, mm. in fa- in fact speaking, speaking of that, in fact, speaking of that, in fact, speaking of that, yeah. that's what happened. That's Perfect. what my brain did. It mixed it up in a way that was hard for me to understand. When I, I remember the first time my first therapist asked me if I was doing something ritualistic, it was when I used to um, jerk it, sorry, to uh, American pornography. and American? American. Wow. I just like throwing that in there for <laughs> no, like this is an American juice. I just yeah. think it's <laughs> absurd. But it's not, really. It's right? probably important. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Probably, This yeah. is probably California stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, co- the coconut, there's coconut water in this. That's imported. Guatemalan blueberries, I know it. Believe it. Yeah. Really? Probably. but i would jerk it and then he helped me realize that the cleaning up of the process was also part of it and when he said that i was like holy shit he's right there was a real i didn't burn incense but i might as well have there was a real afterwards deleting the evidence which was you know a remnant of burning it so now you're looking at online deleting the history uh cleaning up yourself and getting rid of that uh washing your hands um, whatever it is, even, you know, I'm not proud of any of this going, cause I would just wipe all the history then. And I was married at the time. Yeah. So then I'd go to a couple, you know, popular websites. So oh the history my God. wasn't empty. 
So what is going on there? But like I'm paying penance. Like people like that. That's that's like confession. Yeah. Why does it feel good on this podcast to tell those sorts of sins? And I don't believe any of that was like really – I don't think it was like me at my best, but I don't think anything was evil about it. Yeah. But like why does it – it says in, in the Bible the thing that is – that the – uh, talking to a priest that's not in the Bible there's no part of the Bible that's like here's how to run a church and this is how you should be Catholic and all that sort of stuff but they took a verse that says something along the lines of confess your sins to one another it feels great it's powerful it, a hardcore Catholic that is super duped into it leaving confession I have to think that is like taking a huge shit you know what I mean yeah <laughs> no, I mean completely. I mean, I think I've I've gone to so many therapists since I was a kid. Really, since I was a small child. How old? I think the first one I was like five, mm. maybe six. Why? But young. Well, first of all, therapy sort of in my family is like is the religion. Mm. Like it was sort of demystified early. It wasn't considered something like shameful. It was like, yeah, of course you have to go talk to someone mm. who's outside of your family. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm saying totally. I think it's great and I'm asking you. So do I. So you do think I. it's great. Okay, yeah. great. I think that's great. Yeah, I think it's been hugely helpful. Yeah. Um to me. So for me. There were uh, I guess the obvious question is there wasn't an occurrence. No, there was no sort of traumatic event that, yeah. that led to it that I know of, you know. Other kids. than being shoved out of your mother's vagina. I mean <laughs> yeah. screaming with Other strangers. Other than the birth of consciousness. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was nothing that happened to me. Yeah. I am told I have prenatal memories too. So what? What does that mean? Uh, remembering being in the womb. My dad told me that when I was like really young, like two, I would like describe like the warm pink place or whatever. Who knows? I think I. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I could make that up. I guess but... you could people. I could feel you being tempted to demystify that yourself. And yeah. Be like I could have heard of it or yeah. whatever. But then again, if you're like two, right. That's pretty sophisticated yeah. stuff. One of my favorite things is to ask people that just started speaking where they were. Oh, my God. Uh, it's my favorite hobby. And a friend of mine who has a five-year-old, she just turned five, told me uh, – well, they told me um, that one time they asked her where she was. And she says, I was on a stage and I picked you. <laughs> and I picked you guys to be my parents. Oh, my God. That's what she That's said. That's very sweet. It is very <laughs> sweet. And maybe that is just imagination. Yeah. But I said it like Miss Piggy from Muppet Babies. <laughs> but there is something uh, to that. So anyway, you had prenatal memories. Oh, yeah. But mostly I think I – I mean maybe sort of trauma. My dad's like a super workaholic man. He's an artist. and What kind? Um, he works in the visual medium. He works a lot in metal. His mm. stuff – they look like paintings, but if you get up close to them, they're very like obsessively cut out, collaged. Oh, um, wow. Metal nailed in with a hammer. So, like, um, if you found it and you were looking for a murderer yeah. and you walked through your dad's gallery, you'd be like, I think we're close. <laughs> yeah. Haunting. <laughs> Haunting process. Haunting stuff? Yeah. Wow. Um, but he, uh, I think when I was younger, what they tell me is, like, I was mad at him because he, like, wouldn't hang out with me. Oh, wow. Potentially, which might be possible. I don't, of course, remember the anger, but I think that's part of the reason was, like, See. basically going to kind of teach him how to, like, play with me. Hmm. Wait, you what? Like teach him, like teach, like you needed to teach him how to play with you. Is that what? Yeah, you're or like they needed to. I don't know. Yeah. All I know is that I merged from maybe like around ages of five, and we had this new thing called floor time, and it was like us on the floor playing games or something, um, and kind of like re. 
But like we, <laughs> the floor covered in scraps of metal, like Parmesan <laughs> yeah. cheese. Uh, my look but, was was uh, empathy and sympathy yeah. because I also have uh, had pretty much a workaholic father, and I, I bet that's that's part of it. I mean, like I'm yeah. incredibly close with my mother. I'm like the Holmes filter that we've put on that, and I think appropriately, but a lot of therapy is getting past reason and just into emotion, I think. So the reasonable part of me says, I'm very grateful my dad uh, paid for everything. We never worried. I never worried about tuition or or food or any of that sort of stuff. So that's great because my dad was working so hard. But if we can circumvent that reason and go into emotion and be like, I want my daddy, you know, yeah, you do, yeah. you do. <laughs> like, and I think it's, it's not fair, but you do. I think it's the thing also that obviously you can relate to is when you're in the arts, <laughs> <laughs> as we are very much entrenched. We are um, entrenched yeah. in tharts. Fully immersed. Tharts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you don't really leave it work never ends right. per se, right? So I think that obviously when you start having kids and you're married and you're and also he his studios are like in the house. So he was always at home. He like we had dinner together every single night right. my whole life. But he was always I'm just picturing the tin man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that's pretty close. Um but you had dinner together but was he But was, he was always like not there. Right. I relate to that. I, I know that's a vulnerable thing. I don't know if you're as uncomfortable as yeah. I am talking about my own father, but I, I relate to that. And yeah. the scary thing, I think parents often freak out when they see their weaknesses in their children. Like that scares them. And that's where a lot of that anger and stuff comes from when they're like, shut up, fucking Timmy. Because yeah. you see that little Timmy is also like absent-minded or whatever. Right. And you see yourself. This is why everyone's mad at everybody. But I similarly, as I get older, when I start to see um, traits – weaknesses of my parents both of them and myself oh, it stirs up devastating really devastating oh, yeah maybe maybe not overstated but it feels it feels uh much bigger than any other type of pain that i feel and it's just because like like i'll remind myself if i'm not listening or if i'm like my dad isn't always the best listener uh he's he's you know always thinking you know in like me so if somebody it, you can break my heart really quickly if you're just like you're not listening and you never listen. I would be like, oh, I'm going to go jump off a cliff. That's completely mine too. Is it? Is that, oh, 100%. Because I'm like, oh, right. I'm obsessed with something else in this moment. Yep. And you can tell. Yeah. Or like me thinking that I'm... Because, yeah, listening is really hard. It's it really is. Not, you have to turn really yourself rare. off. Yeah, yeah. You have to go, you shut it down like a fuck at the lights in a stadium. Yeah. And you go, what's up with you, Todd? And we've been burnt by so many Todds that have nothing to say that you're like, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> and you keep the power on and you're playing your own whack-a-mole game. No, yeah. it's And that's why I feel like it's so remarkable when somebody really is listening to you. It's troubling. And then it's, all, it's amazing. It's troubling. Yeah. It's honestly something for me that I've realized. I'm so used to being like, well, you're not really listening. So, you know, like, right. com- so I can just. Like Mike O'Connell on our podcast, too, that was like, I just say demons because no one's listening. Yeah. Demons. Yeah. And that's such a strange, like, lonely thing when you, when you, when you realize that. Yeah. But then if you encounter someone who really is listening to you. Yeah. Then you're forced to actually speak. Ah, right. And to really. You know, ideally listen to them. 
Did that get you into comedy? Because again, I'll just throw myself in there first. I'll say it's. I always say to my therapist, it's no surprise that I went into a business where people listen to me. Like people have to listen. To yeah. Me. Oh my god! Thank you for so eloquently putting that. Years of therapy never so succinct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you do feel that way. I mean, it feels good. Yeah. People are laughing. A callback or some sort of clever turn of phrase or something improvised, especially people listening. People think it's oh, Petey, po- Petey Pants made a made a made a poo poo, and he wants everyone to applaud him. It's like no, motherfuckers. I spent a lot of my life not being listened to in the way that I would like to be listened to. It's not that I wasn't fed and clothed and read stories and all that stuff was there. But again, that's my reason. That's me trying to censor these feelings. But there still remains a feeling of childhood, even though everybody did the best they could in another pop-up ad for you. But there still was a feeling of like, I'm not getting as much listened to as I'd like. And that's not my ego. And that's not a desire for fame. That's a human desire. Even at the resort. Even at the... You need someone to listen to you. What do you mean? Like the beach resort. I will. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's troubling. Well, I'm hoping I can go swim. I love swimming. (laughs) Me too. I don't. You don't? You hate swimming? (laughs) No, I don't hate it, but I mean, the ocean. So your dad was... Oh, yeah, I understand. (laughs) Don't get into it because you're right. It's one of those things that you're right. Let's not talk about the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just because the ocean is a weird place because I, I go swimming all the time in the ocean and I go like... If there were sharks nearby, I'd just be toast. So like flying, it's one of those things that forces you to reconcile your mortality Mm. before you engage in the activity. Ocean, father, father, ocean. (laughs) Yeah. Very similar. Is it? Oh, yeah. Your dad is like the ocean? All of our dads. (laughs) Why? Just this mass that's (laughs) completely surrounding and just gone from your... You can't even begin to imagine it. (laughs) And its contents, but somehow it rules you. <laughs> but then, and you're drowning. <laughs> so you had floor time with pops. We had floor time, and I should say now it? we're we're close. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, I mean, I really way to ruin the ending. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There is an impenetrable <laughs> distance, but um, NIPD. We. <laughs> We would, uh, I don't even know what we did. We just kind of like played games. I used to draw and stuff as a kid. But I mean, there's some pretty goddamn heartbreaking footage that recently I found. You know, it's like I'm drawing and he's just like walks away and I'm just like looking up. I'm like, pop, you know, just stuff like that. He would shatter if he knew I was speaking of this, as would my mother. But, um, but yeah, but he, but I really don't don't tweet him. I know it's, it's really like. (laughs) It's something, um, well, now I can blame him, but all through my adolescence, I just kind of knew that that was just not in his realm of possibility. Again, that's the, that's the ration, and then there's the emotion, I think, yeah. behind it. So I, I understand. I do. I, I, have, I don't have pop moments necessarily, but that's what really bound me to my mom. That yeah. was, I was like, oh, this is my chum. This one's, oh, yeah. this one's this one's really giving it up. You know what I mean? Like she only <laughs> yeah. listens yeah. and only laughs and claps and loves it. And, and she was just so close to me. My dad, uh, you know, we're closer now. We're yeah. same thing as you. Now now he enjoys talking. He's not working as hard. And we, we've seen that whole cycle. You know what I mean? And then I guess – our role is to try and just as I think my I know for a fact my dad knows this it should be my goal to do better. It's not it's not that he did so badly. It's just like if everybody takes the ball and runs it forward a little bit, like we'll do better. We'll keep we'll keep doing better instead of doing the exact same, which is 
real. Those patterns. Real. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They are breakable. I hope so. But that's why we get mad at they ourselves are. when you and I aren't listening. I think so. Yeah. You do too. Yeah. And you want to do that. Is that something that resonates with you, doing doing better in that way? Yeah. Do you fantasize about Changing. having a kid or whatever and, and being a little bit more? Fantasize is a bit strong, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Consider. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's that strange thing that you're raised a girl and you're just assuming that that's the natural trajectory. You're kind of like going oh, to, to have school a, have every babies. day, but you'll just end up having a kid. Oh, like what you see, you know, it's you that pulled kind the ripcord. Yeah, it, it, you're, you're free falling towards your career and your exciting <laughs> dreams coming true. Then you pull that ripcord with just the Gerber baby face yeah. on the parachute. It's. I mean, I do have. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of conflicted feelings for. I mean, the 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 main thing is just I can't comprehend. I don't know. It's so outside of my. Well, you're a young, my, you're a young lady. Thinking, yeah. So, so, um, so of course it's like to think about it, but at the same time, I do wonder if I could do it. Sometimes I feel like I honestly am too maybe obsessive or too, um, yeah, like trying too hard to like <laughs> curate <Excuse me>. things. <laughs> curate control. I mean, yeah, control. I don't, but I don't know if I'm really a controlling person in general, but. I would either, if I had a child, I would either be so brutally protective and just kind of like build a gold statue in their honor. Like I'd be so overly like, oh my God. You know, I would just like worship my child, I fear. Yeah. And be very obsessed with what they are doing constantly. And so I worry, but you know. I understand. Who knows? It's yeah. really, it's really weird, uh, and I, I do consider that perspective. I, I didn't even mean that per se when I was saying that, but I understand now why you would go there as a woman who's trying to, you know, do something again strange. <laughs> <laughs> Gold, oh yeah, golden pigeon strange. Uh, you know, doing comedy and 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 who knows where that'll take you. Uh, kids are kids are a tricky thing. Guys are more allowed, I think, to talk about like I'm gonna hold off, but yeah. everyone's like TikTok on those eggs, Berlin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, luckily, my mom didn't have me till she was like 43. Nice. So I think that model for that potential is very like in front of me, and my I can mom imagine was 39. it. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, great. I'll check back when I'm 40. Yeah, especially I mean now. Yeah, you can be like. 60. I've got time. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Are you close with the moms? Yeah. What's her name? We're very close. Helen. <laughs> Helen. Hi. She's a hyper. Yeah, she's very she's it's so crazy when you see people married and you're like you are you are so different. And you mean your mom and your dad? Yeah, yeah. I mean my mom is just like she like constantly is speaking in this really kind of milky register. She's really sweet. She's like <gasps> A gasper. She's hyper, <laughs> hyper dramatic, <laughs> hyper dramatic, hyper feminine. But feminine, I mean, like a gasper is what you mean. And I've become a gasper. <laughs> I just gasp. Yeah. <laughs> it used to drive me crazy when I was younger, and now I do it. Yeah, you gasp. You're <laughs> Huge gasping. Yeah. Just affected. Yeah. That's interesting because she's like in an old movie, just constantly. I mean, she doesn't wear. She's feminine, but you know, she doesn't wear makeup. She's like Catherine Hepburn. She doesn't. Yeah, she's really beautiful. She's about to be seventy. Yeah, but she's just. You know, she smokes three cigarettes a week, and 
bottle of champagne, you know. Very, <laughs> yeah. She's Spanish. No. Yeah. yeah. No. Elena, sí. She's so fun. Yeah. Elena. Elena, sí. Elena. <laughs> of course. Is your is your father a Caucasian? Uh, he is a Brooklyn Jew. Brooklyn Jew. Yeah. But an artist marrying like a, a, a spicy feminine gasping Hispanic woman. Oh, yeah. It, it makes so perfect, perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> so Actually, fun. no. Yeah. It makes, makes sense. I understand that they're very different, but yeah. that, that makes sense in its own weird. Like he needs his muse. Yeah. Sort and of she way. dated a withholding man mm. and then recently told me she never really had a conversation with her father. That was meaningful. Oh. So I'm like, oh right, you're trying to just repair those wounds, yeah, in any way that you can. The pattern repeating, which is, and that's the thing that I don't even think it's necessarily <laughs> negative. I mean, I do think we do constantly find ourselves in these relationships that feel similar mm-hmm. or familiar, rather, mm-hmm. and we feel like even if the person's totally different and the circumstances are different, we're still trying to Same. correct this like origin mm-hmm. story. That's we're right. still trying to. You're and having I, the conversations that belong to another person with a new person mm-hmm. who didn't even necessarily earn them, yeah. but they're getting them. Yeah. Here it <laughs> yeah. comes. Yeah. That's one of the things I said to my ex-wife, and it didn't actually come true, but I was like, I'm terrified because I'm incapable of getting mad at you that someone else is going to, again, to use the word inherit, mm-hmm. inherit that anger. It, it, I just I just put it through the old anus. Like, I just <laughs> manized it. Yeah. And it, you know, it came out in other ways, paintball. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't know what it came out <laughs> yeah. of. But no one ever got never no one ever got that business. But I I completely agree. That's an interesting pattern. And uh I I find that every I have so many older male friends. Like at, at that like my therapist, I have a very similar paternal relationship yeah. with my my therapist. I'm open about that. It's it's not creepy or weird. <laughs> I, it's not as creepy or weird as it ought to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, maybe it's creepy. I don't know. That's what therapy is. Quite literally for. Right. It's like an exercise I'll in re-performing your, that's right. your trauma. And it's so strange how good it feels sometimes to just say – that's another therapy tool where it's like say what you would like to say. Mm, I sob every time. Yeah. That's great. I wish I could. I love crying with uh-huh. Doug. <laughs> <laughs> and are you having conversations with your dad? My dad? Yeah. Um. Yes. We talk – no, yeah. I meant in therapy. Oh. Fake ones. <laughs> um, no, no. I, I mean, that to me is like too... He's maybe tried to maybe be like, imagine right now. You know, I, I can't... I'm too inside. I can't release and just be like, Dad! I can't like drop my shoulders and just like be sobbing looking at Doug and, you know, the pr- projecting my father's face onto I just yeah. can't... Yeah. I can't remove myself from the situation like that. Yes. Um. So, no, I'm not actually having those sorts of, like, reenactments. Do, does it bleed into your your relationships? The dad stuff? Yeah. Oh, sure. Because but I... I'm truly, like, the last <laughs> year and a half. <laughs> I'm just right there with you. I'm telling you, uh, the number of men that are 10 years older plus in my life are are staggering. And they're all, like... List, incredible listeners yeah. and readers and teachers and talented people that I'm just like, let's go for a bike ride, pop. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I know you do. There's that, but there's also which I find myself having done in the past and probably in the future as well, gravitating toward people who aren't giving me what are just kind of replicating that. I'm like, oh, cool, you're like, kind of like brilliant and like strange. Yeah, 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 yeah. and on the spectrum. For sure. Burgers? Yeah. Flipping them? Yeah. yeah. Flipping burgers? Flipping them hard. 
And you think uh, your dad's got a sprinkle? One hundred percent. It's raining Aspergers. Oh my! I mean, it's it's like a textbook <laughs> case. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not debilitating. He's you know. Oh but, no! But I it's, know. It's there. <laughs> well, a guy that gets up. That just that one story that you told your daughter's like. Oh my god! I drew a dream. And, up and walks away. And just it's mostly just the and in a way that I've always it's it's great for his work. I mean, he's hyper obsessive and attached to like certain objects. He's had That's another he's Asperger's had thing. Huge collections that are really incredible. I mm-hmm. mean, that have been he's obsessed with um with he's always been obsessed with rocks. And now, like, hand axes, paleolithic stone tools. He's truly, he's, like, developing huge theories around them. He's, like, getting museum shows surrounding them. I mean, they're they're productive. Yeah. But they're completely obsessive. Yeah. Like, and he, I mean, if you walk into his studio, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Hmm. I mean, there's it's just, it's outrageous. Put to, put to use. Yeah. You took it and you put it to use. It's put to use, but at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> we have footage of the cost. Yeah, yeah. Roll that beautiful bean yeah. footage. <laughs> Roll me tap dancing in an airport. Yeah. <laughs> well, you started, that's probably where you started Get this is your origin story. These are you learning to tap dance and do more. And I think just being on adults only from that. Also being an only child, all my parents' oh, friends, yeah. none of them had children. Oh, wow. So it was very much wanting to assert myself among adults and not be treated like a child. So you're always being like, hey, how you doing? My name's Kane. <laughs> yeah. And then you just moonwalked into a huge cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just talking like an adult, even if it didn't make sense, even if it didn't really fit me, the language just yeah. still kind of, just kind of um, trying to mirror yeah. the sound of being an adult. I remember how different they sounded. Yeah. At cocktail parties, and I remember having that epiphany. I've I've ta- I've said this before, but it's like, oh, they're not listening to each other. Or, or like mm. when my dad was like, "So what do you do?" I was like, "He doesn't really care." Because when kids ask questions, it's like burning. It's yes. like, "Where'd you get that cake?" It's like really important. And now you're just like, "Did you enjoy growing up on the west side?" Yeah, yeah. And being like, and noticing that my parents were being different. They were being grown up mode. Also, they were probably like knocking back a few yeah. dozen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much they were drinking, but you know, they started acting that weird out. Were they booze people? No, my well, my my dad smokes a lot of weed. The cron and always has. Is that do a lot of people with the Bergs love the cron? Oh, let's hope not. I don't know. I don't <laughs> I mean, know either. That's the way to. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I what mean, if this he... was at midnight? We're like, that's the hashtag game. <laughs> Berg's crumbs. <laughs> um, hashtag your friends. He's never, never liked alcohol. Luckily, truly, just like his. He's seventy three. He's been drunk like three times in his life. Just has never liked it. Wow. Um. And my mom drinks, but not to excess. Okay. Really. So they were just. I mean, it was naturally occurring distance. Yeah. 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 Okay. So where were we? Close mom. Oh, yeah. We were talking about if you're close to your mom. And I was also saying, does it show up in your relationships? And you, excuse me, you were saying sometimes you do catch yourself drawn to like a withholding. Yeah, or someone where I guess maybe I'm like, well, we're probably not really going to connect. Right. And that, <laughs> does it, and that feels familiar. And it feels, yeah, protective and familiar. It's weird that like... Because I'll just join you and say that in my relationships, I'm always kind of looking for a mother, like someone that reminds me of the way that my mother loved me, which 
you know, again, that's I'm not saying that's not fucked up. I'm saying it's as fucked up as yeah. all of existence yeah. is. Like, it, we don't need to homogenize it and say, oh, I should be embarrassed. I spent so much time with my mother and learning and being like, oh, oh, being loved. It's stuff like being paid attention to. It's something like being adored. I'm a person that likes being adored. So I look for that. But it's weird that I couldn't also I, – maybe I did also look for those things from my father. Like what did my father teach me love was? But I don't look for that in a woman at all. I do occasionally look for it in, in guy friends yeah. You know, to be a little bit distant in the same way that you're saying. But romantically – you can't look for a, a, a man that loves you the way your mother did, or can you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that when you're yeah doing comedy or anything like that, you receive a lot of sort of unfiltered praise. Yes. And kind of just what you're saying, sort of like adoration. And sometimes that could potentially lead someone that you're involved with romantically to also feed you that same thing. Maybe they... And that can be sort of alienating because that's not what you're really looking for. Mm-hmm. Or something. I mean, I'm in a relationship right now, which is like the most healthy relationship I've ever been in. What did, what did they do? And he's um, he's a director, writer. Okay, so editor. in the creative yeah. field, but yeah. not a comedian. Exactly. That's nice. And um, and he's so he's like a true listener mm-hmm. and 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 radically kind of grounded hmm. and incredibly kind and inclusive hmm. and so how strange yeah how strange, <laughs> really. and we were friends truly like just friends for months before yeah. we got together and we're just spending a lot of time together and i was always attracted to him but really kind of did not imagine that i would date him almost because of these like glowing traits or <laughs> kind of like oh didn't yeah know how to almost navigate that right what changed of, so here's a guy who I'm not saying traditionally out of your league. Like yeah. he's some gorgeous McConaughey. Type. He is gorgeous. Well, I'm glad he is. But that's not you're saying. You're more in awe of his empathy and his mm-hmm. his engagement and presence. Uh, so you're thinking, and I've been there too, where you're just like, I, I can't, I can't have this. Or I so just didn't changed? even know how to, because I, I was so completely because we were friends and established this kind of like working on something together and it was this very kind of exciting creative relationship. Oh, you were working together. Great. Yeah. And, and you had good symmetry. Yes, completely. Yep. And so, and I remember even internally having moments of being like, Oh yeah. Okay. Cause I, I really had the feeling of wanting to like not ma- make it um, romantic. Cause I've always tried to like really separate um, like creative and romantic mm-hmm. connection or relationships. Yep. And, so that was kind of my go-to. It was like, hey, well, this is just going to completely be on this one side. And then – and I was kind of allowing – I was completely myself, whatever that means. But I remember moments of being like, okay, great. This ensures that we're never going to date because I just have acted this way and he's seen that. Mm-hmm. So there's no way mm-hmm. that like it'll, you know – But the more you did that, it. it didn't it didn't thwart you. Just moth to a flame, yeah. But isn't it, that funny? Oh, my God. No, but, but, it, but it was kind of – I was very um, – yeah, I mean, I guess vulnerable. This is just, the thing. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. I've just been fascinated with this lately. Again, everybody listening to the podcast of late knows I'm reading The Power of Math by Joseph Campbell. Mm. <laughs> and mm. we talked about it. We talked about <laughs> yeah. it. 
but it's also by Bill Moyer. It's, it's just uh, he's interviewing uh, Joseph Campbell. Anyway, so they're talking about why people have a hard time loving God, the idea, you know, the mythic God, the character of God. And they're like, uh, well, God is perfect, so there's nothing to connect to. You can stand in awe of that God, but you can't. Uh, truly, people. Some people have a hard time loving a perfect, omnipresent that type of thing. The, but then he was like, and that's what Jesus completed in the story. And in his interpretation, is that it introduces an imperfection. And then Bill Moore is like, Jesus wasn't perfect. And he's like, well, he suffered. Suffering makes him imperfect. Like, like mm. a, a perfect thing isn't suffering. It's just kind of like. Let the sun shine, <laughs> you know, just like yeah. rocking it in the clouds. Yeah. And then Jesus comes here, and that's what makes everybody, you know, most people that are into Jesus really love him. There's not too many people that are like, I'm really into this Christianity thing, but I have a hard time connecting with this Christ fella. You know, they're usually on board. Yeah. That's why even like secularists and non religious people can be like, I love Jesus, you know, like in the Moby insert, like, I love Jesus. He's great. He's fun. Uh, but then this has been. Cook and McCraw lately is the idea of you showing those flaws or acting a certain way. Oftentimes a woman will wait until they're in the safety of a relationship to show their like weirder side or their truly what mm-hmm. they think is funny. Yeah. And there's no lonelier feeling for a man when you're like, I hate this. <laughs> but there's no better feeling than when you're like, I love this. I wish you that's love. You're like, please yeah. let it out, please let it out. Yeah. And then I sorry to keep talking so much, but I rewatched Goodwill Hunting the, uh, two nights ago. It's so good still. And he's talking about his 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 wife Never is dead. Never thought. Oh, man. Jesus. Spoiler. He's talking about how Robin Williams' character is talking about how his wife is dead and mm-hmm. all he remembers about her are moments like when she woke herself up farting oh, in yeah, bed yeah. and stuff like I that. I haven't seen it, but I – yeah. It's iconic. Every yeah. scene in that movie <laughs> is iconic. Yeah. <laughs> so is this juice. Yeah. So I'm now fascinated with this idea of – as in with this podcast, like earlier when I was saying like maybe I'm full of shit, but I would like everyone – you know, fans, the community of this podcast to still love the show, even if I am sounding stupid or love me, even if I'm sounding stupid or or even sounding wrong or arrogant or, or coarse or in a bad mood or hungry or sleepy or tired or horny or whatever it is. Uh, similarly, in a, a romantic relationship, now the premium is I would like you to see me because I hate planning. Watch me book a flight. You will see me get really angry. Like, you know, I don't go, it's not like that. It's worse. It's this quiet hum, like in a horror movie, like something could happen yeah. and nothing does. So it's worse. So I want to, I want people to see that and love me. And you want this fella to see you and, and still love you. Is yeah. That, that's what we're saying. And Being he did. Being in process. Yeah. And he did. Being in process. And he's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. He walks in. Yeah. Being mm. in process and. Cut. Yeah, <laughs> I have some notes. Just kidding. Um, I don't know why I made him Paul Lind. <laughs> but what? What did you? Do you remember what you? What he saw you doing that you thought was okay? Like that you thought was weird, but he was like, "I'm into it." I don't know. I think I just remember. I think honestly, also just being feeling very comfortable talking about comedy and kind of like maybe the the kind of unattractive, obsessive, or kind of like potentially like self-consumed um moments that you might have throughout the day mm-hmm. and not feeling, listening like <laughs> i mean when you're not listening when you're yeah or when or just like you know yeah just just those anxieties that i feel like maybe in the past i've tried to be like oh yeah well i'm you know doing comedy and i'm thinking about that but you know and also whatever who cares you know like just kind of <laughs> pretending to turn it off 
<laughs> with, you know? a, with a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Let me turn off this comedy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this the real show. Um, so, yeah, and just kind of feeling I didn't have to hide that kind of potentially gross um, churn. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of that that feeling. And um, so, yeah, that How was. How long has it been? Um, I mean, not that long, like um, coming up six months. That's great. Yeah, yeah. A good but it was very months. automatic and yeah it's just nice it was just really no anxiety which is was so i mean my last like serious relationship was like four years ago mm. and so you know i think it's kind of it's a good amount of time that i've been not in a relationship mm-hmm. to you know as someone who just got in a relationship do you ever have flare-ups of concern completely unfounded that you're like oh i was doing so well in those four single years any sort of tinkering with the process. Once you get your comedy engine humming, yeah. and you're like, now I'm going to add a girlfriend. And I love my girlfriend. She's great. But it's like you do, and I would tell her this, you do start to go like, any, I had a mole on my forehead removed, and I was worried that I wouldn't be funny after the surgery because it was like they saw, totally. said it was precancerous or whatever. Yeah. So uh. I was like, what if that's the mole that helps me riff the bits? Of course, yeah. Right? And back to ritual, I completely exactly. have those. And just if you're alone and you have... Your way of, of doing yeah. things. Yeah, we're the loons that are like, don't touch my papers, there's a system. <laughs> we're those people. Completely, completely. And it's been <laughs> honestly so good for me to realize that that system can get interrupted. Yeah, and girl interrupted. And I'm more flexible than I think I am. Boom. Yeah, and that's so great. Yes. And to my huge surprise, I'm like, oh, right, I'm happier, my comedy's better, mm-hmm. and I'm... Like freer on stage. That's the yeah. thing that I remember when we like first started dating. I just was having show after show where I was like, I felt like I was different in a great way, mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, oh wait, no, I'm like that was different. You know, love like, helps. Yeah, it yeah. helps. Love helps. I I, I had a really <laughs> weird experience where sometimes right after you come out of the warm bosom of a relationship, and I literally mean like you're you're loving on each other, piles of warm sheets and eating food, all the comfort, but just really seeing and hearing each other. And then you go and do a show, and the show isn't that great. And you're kind of like, well, this is a little bit of a methadone. You know what I mean? The heroin, it's all love. All exchanges are love, just even friendships talking and stuff. And I'm not saying an audience is trying to fill the void of a girlfriend, but you're getting that love. And sometimes when you're with somebody and you're really in love, you're kind of like, this is even better. I think every time I've been in love, I'm like, oh, I found the thing that's the thing that's even goldener than the thing that I get from stand-up. Right. Not that I ever, I, I'm even uncomfortable saying that. I love stand-up so, so much. But there's something about like, to your point, this is the person that sees me in process and still likes me. The audience likes you, a stand-up audience. I'm not talking about this podcast audience. The relationship with the fans here is actually I consider that much more deep and much much more special. But just a traditional stand-up comic. If I was a different person going up and slinging jokes, and they don't remember if my name is Ted or Tim, that isn't as good as your girlfriend or your wife or your boyfriend or your husband or whatever. Uh, just straight up loving you because you didn't know they were looking at you, and when you got to the bottom of the bag of wheat, then you drank the salt. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You do you experience that like the love? I think you also have to train yourself, or it's like almost a surprise. What do you mean? That you can be like, oh, this is very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. This is like creative. Mm-hmm. Or this. Oh, is... to say that it's not in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that um, 
yeah, it's it's surprising. I think it's always it's like, and it's nice to experience yourself in different environment, like feeling that, like what you're describing, that kind of connection or communication or like the intimacy you have with an audience, which is intimate, which mm-hmm. like can, which has the potential to feel really exhilarating. It can feel like a ritual and it can feel intimate and exhilarating. Yeah, when yeah. you get those two together, oh. addiction. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so it is exhilarating to experience that with someone else, you know, in like a, mm-hmm. in a private way. Well, you're bringing, <laughs> I think every comedian is kind of like, I love stand-up. I wish there was a way to do it during the day. And I think a good love story is a nice, is a nice way to have engagement and presence and laughs and silliness and connection all day. Yeah. Because you do get that out of a good show. Yeah. And a good relationship. Yeah. <laughs> they can both go sideways. <laughs> Lord, don't we know? <laughs> don't we uh... know? There was a moment of a real hum. There was. Achieved, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tonal. Like the ringtone. Like the dial tone. Adaptation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? It startled yeah, me. That, that it was, was very, and it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that you found a good one. You too. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah. It's just the self congratulation yeah. podcast. Oh my god. Oh, it's wow. just great. It's yeah. just great. Well, you are an odd. You're an odd bird uh, in your standup. And how's that going? Thank you. Yeah, no, I think it's great. <laughs> but I, I said that when when we did that show at the Masonic Lodge, I was like, I went up, I had to follow Eric Andre. I even said to the audience, I was like, how do you follow Eric Andre? Eric, there's something I call a shotgun bit, which is a bit that's just big. It's just big and it's just blasting through the audience. And Eric only has shotgun bits. He's like, <laughs> what if bacon had a dick? I'm not saying he's stupid. That was a stupid setup, but I'm just saying the energy behind it was like, breaking, breaking, dick, 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 breaking, breaking, dick. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, he's so I'm by the side of the stage. I'm laughing. I don't want him to finish. He finishes. I go up and I'm like, it's been a long time since I've been like, I just can't. And, but, I, you know, it was great. But I had to, I mean, you know, I didn't feel bad about it. But I had to go into that gear of like, I'm also going to be bacon dick. Bacon, bacon, and try that mm-hmm. sa- similar tone. And then you were next, and then you just do, did what you did. And it was even – it was way better. It was mm-hmm. great, but you brought them to you. But I have to imagine being an odd duck, uh, being a non-typical stand-up, and you, you're saying you're opening for bands and stuff. There, there has to be a challenge to being a bit of an absurdist. Yeah, sure. Speak to it. <laughs> Well, did you I will start now. more straight laced, or I mean, yeah. I can ask other questions, but you speak to it however you like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, I can't really place the moment when things sort of shifted, and I kind of felt like I was tuning into more what I really wanted to do or what really felt the most exciting to me. I mean, yeah, when I first started, I was doing like hyper constructed one liners, mm. um, still kind of like failing, like weren't they weren't really working they would they were funny or something but they weren't right there was something off and i think that's what i was always like early on gravitating toward were things that were like a little confusing Mm -hmm. or yeah perhaps absurd perhaps absurd or even (laughs) absurd yeah um and yeah i think 
I realized kind of recently that I don't really adjust my material, which is kind of classically considered like not smart or like not professional, right? Or like not... No, it's not uh, pragmatic. Right, exactly. And I sort of realized like, oh, I really don't... I mean, of course you adjust within moments of like of a specific set, things change and you right. feel it out. Well, you're, you're being very present, but you're not going to be like, fuck it, I'm going to do... A different set because this is more of a bacon yeah. dick set. I remember once truly trying to become someone that I wasn't. Yeah. To in Nashville, I was at Zany's. Yeah, and I had like I had two shows. The second one was better, but the first one just was like it was to this day. I think like the hardest bomb mm. I've ever had. I'm going there in a couple of weeks. And um, <laughs> and I remember kind of being so just desperate just to like make them laugh. That I almost tried to like do something else. It was this very humil- <laughs> like privately humiliating moment. Of just being, oh like, my god! And I honestly had the feeling of them laughing at me, mm. like laughing at my like attempt, failed attempt. Like, like as I was leaving, I don't know what I did, but I just did something that was so desperate. It was like a very horrifying moment i've can i tell you mine maybe it'll jog your memory i remember bombing oh god it was peoria i made a set called pete holmes bombing out of another i had to do four shows so one of the shows i remember i had this bit about chinese food what was it it was about how crab rangoon doesn't have any crab in it it's just fried cream cheese and and the bit is like crab uh, rangoon means or whatever It's not even, it's not bad, but it's sure not good. And it was like my first time middling and uh, someone in the audience, so I'm, I'm desperate, I'm sweating and I'm just trying to get any reaction out of them. And I'm like, you guys, uh, you guys have a Chinese food restaurant here? And this guy goes, yeah, like he's like, they're all smoking. It's back when you could smoke. He goes, yeah, cream of some young guy. And he gets a laugh. And then I go, I'm bombing so hard. It's the first time they've laughed. I go, you go there a lot, sir? (laughs) And it got a laugh. Like me basically being like, are you gay? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wearing the shirt that's too tight. And it was the only time they laughed the whole set. So lonely. And it, it it was, so not only did I get fucked, but I also like, Change the position. We're like, you want to keep fucking me this way? You yeah, know? Like, yeah. I like conceded to it. I tried to yield to the violation and be like, I'm into this too, or whatever, yeah. or like, ugh, it's a shit feeling. Yeah, it's a shit shit feeling. Yeah. So did that jog yours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, or that's, just finish the story. I mean, continue. No, I mean, the story. there's almost just no story. I mean, really, but I remember that, and I don't think I've, and then I think that was kind of a small like. Turning, I don't know, a turning point, but moment where I was like, I'm not going to try to do something yeah. that I don't like or that I don't think is good. Did you read <laughs> Born Standing Up? Um, I did. He had that letter. Like, he had the letter that he wrote where he was like, I think I'm going to do an absurd act. And, you know, he s- describes it. But it, the, the people like you have a moment where you're like, nope. And I don't mean to separate you from me. I think you and I are similar. I just think what I like doing happens to be a little bit more over the plate. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, yeah. It is more Zany's Nashville. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm jealous, I'll be honest. But, no, um, you shouldn't no, be. No, but, uh, of course, you know, you're kidding. Yeah, yeah, no, because... I am. But also, I'm not in the sense that um, um, there is like um, 
because like since then for example i've been so pleasantly surprised to be able to do what i want in like clubs yeah. more traditional club environments I bet you could go back and kill now that's the thing yeah. i really like you feel that could. way and so and that was huge i think a couple years ago it's like three years ago four years ago i was in school <laughs> and i kind of had considered okay well i think i'm gonna just apply for like performance art grants and i'm gonna do my comedy in like galleries or I'm going to do that. Like I kind of, and I, that's not what I wanted. I wanted to, I felt like a stand up. I felt like that's where I belonged, mm-hmm. but I just had this kind of, kind of doubtfulness surrounding that it would like be able to work in traditional comedy spaces. And then it was so great to realize that I, that I could. Um, and so it's an hour light. Yeah. Okay, great. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm distracted. Um, doing, you were going to uh, get grants. <laughs> I took you to the beginning. <laughs> I was going to get grants and I decided not to. No, but I think what I mean is that if you're doing something, I mean, obviously, that like feels in your language and that is what you want and you're, you know, committing to it, people respond to it. Right. Ideally. Of course. And if that happens, then you're like, there's like no turning back and you can be like, okay, great. So. But it's authentic. Yeah. And that's the premium is on authenticity now. And I think a little bit of transparency. So what made it so impressive was I was like, oh, Kate just, does, she's, not, you know, I don't want to put down other absurdist comedians I know, but some of them just aren't effective. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in a lot of situations, kind of what you were alluding to. And then there are people that can kind of cross almost like a Lily Tomlin. Like she did like silly characters and stuff, uh, but in this really effective way. So doing something that is niche, that's still broadly appealing, that doesn't need to be tweaked or manipulated. That is the same thing we're both trying to do yeah. you know what I mean I, I still have a lot of bits that are huge four minute and you're very like, that are like nobody knows what I'm doing and you're a, like a performer I think the comics that I've always gravitated toward are performers right and like are I think Rory Scovel is obviously like to yeah. me a person that I saw doing these things in different spaces and was so able to I guess crossover or mm-hmm. I don't know or just like reach people mm-hmm. because um, it's not fully scripted I think mm-hmm. there is a music to it and there is an intercourse to it where you're being in the moment and Rory will either throw out another like can you feel it because he can tell they can't yeah. as opposed to reciting a like my name is Babu and I, like some, some sort of thing I don't know why I said my <laughs> name is Babu I know that's a name I tried to think of an absurd kind of Martian name and I said a common Indian name <laughs> Uh, you understand what I'm saying? Like, there's a presence there that when you see Rory go from place to place to place, he's going to adapt yeah. to that place. And that's what's hard is that, and I think... In the performance of it, not is, the material of it. Yeah. And that's what I think I'm, like, trying to, like, train myself to do, or as always, is just to, like what you're saying, be present, which is, like, such a, you know, so, like, widely... Yes. You know, Misused. Diffused now. But, yeah. um... Meaningless. But how that can really, like, be, um, it's hard to do. And it's hard to just kind of be like, well, I'm just going to kind of, like, see what happens or, like, because mm-hmm. it's, and it's scary too. And I go in and out of periods where I feel like I can really rely on that instinct. And then other times when I just feel sort of nervous if I haven't, you know, performed in, you know, a few days or something and I don't feel as oh, yeah. able to just. It goes away exist. real quick. It sure she does. She she leaves real quick. <laughs> she leaves, yeah. That's yeah. what stand ups are. We're like a, a drunk man in a tank top and his underwear, sitting on his couch, having his eighth beer. You come in, you're Tommy Lee Jones in No Country, and you're like, What happened? And you go, She leaves real quick. <laughs> she doesn't go again now. 
<laughs> she done go again now. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it's so there's something so embarrassing about talking about your own, and I struggle with that because I'm like, yeah, yeah, like I'm, I have ideas, and I feel very deeply about comedy and like what I'm trying to do and what you know, and that's serious to me. But also, yeah, I can't help but be self conscious talking about it in those ways. But also, who cares? Whatever, who cares? I mean, I have, ah. I have no problem like having serious conversations and like being serious i don't even think that's really the word yeah um but yeah i guess that was just an unnecessary disclaimer you know i know that it's all just we uh, call those pop-ups that's a pop-up yeah it it wasn't a traditional pop-up i know what you mean yeah tj did that tj was yesterday and he was like i don't mean to sound pretentious because he was talking about like nietzsche and stuff and he was like but what if i do why do we keep apologizing for the way we're sounding yeah completely yeah (laughs) i know why but like i also know why we shouldn't or just showing how, like, the sausage is made. You know, it's right. just kind of like, it's beside the point in a way. I really do think. And as much as I, I really sometimes don't, like, people that I really admire their work or something, Yeah. sometimes I really don't want to know about them. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Not meet your heroes sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and just kind of, yeah. Not nope. that I'm, like, somebody's, not like I'm, like, I don't want to drop the veil. No, yet. I understand. But, um, but, you know, back to the idea of you being whatever not typical um i watch that and i'm like oh this this is gonna be great <laughs> it is great but i, I mean in the in the in the uh, uh materializing it i don't mean monetarily i just mean like whatever this is going to turn into is going to be really really fun and I, you know i don't think you're like lily tomlin but look at somebody like her and you're and like who's doing their own thing it's the same as uh you know, Bill Burr, in my opinion. I'm just like, they're just being themselves, yeah. and then that's going to be great. But there is an element where it's it's a an absurd-ish – I don't know what word to use. Or just like experiential or something, experiential. which I think Ooh. is kind of – to think about that is really helpful for me to be like, well, you have these minutes and just like make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so – Make and, something happen is great. Yeah. And kind of um, – yeah, and I think playing with the that like distance of like drawing people in, but then also kind of keeping them far away. Right. And I think that's I don't I don't really talk about myself on stage at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, in any sort of real way. But it is obviously completely about it is still me. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I'm kind of I don't know that I thought about for a little while. I'm kind of now backed away from. But I guess because I mean, classically, when people say, "Oh, you're sort of like non traditional stand up," because I'm not. I'm kind of I have not folks confessing. Doing tonight. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm doing a lot of confessing, but it's just not quite locatable. Mm. Or I agree. So I'm left with an impression, certainly. But then you have like the bracelets. Chris wears one, and I yeah. always see it. I've got one for you. Oh, you do? Yeah. Of Let's course. see it. I bring. I always have them with me. Let's see it. Are they really made by These Thai are my children? Claws. Probably. They are made in China. Yeah. So. <laughs> Embrace terror. Katie gets one. Yes, I'm going to put it on. Will this come off? I have mutant hands. It won't come off. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just have to embrace that. Um, thank you. What is, so talk about Embrace Terror. It sounds like Follow the Fear, which sounds like a Del Close thing. 
Yeah. Oh, oh God. Um, no, 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 I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I don't heard it. I, you know, all I was doing there was trying no. to protect myself. If that was like was a, a follow the yeah, fear, yeah. follow. No, yeah, it. it's a very. I mean, it's it's by no means like an original sort of like concept. <laughs> I hope I, you don't think I was trying to out <laughs> the concept. Well, I read truth and comedy, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, <laughs> no, but get I, into uh, it. No, That's I a wrote. Great idea. I wrote. Um, I mean, like my notebook you know has a lot of like affirmations written in it or just kind of ideas like that and i and i get nervous a lot um throughout the day but um <laughs> i do get really nervous before shows which i like yeah um, it's the pilot like yeah i think it's important sometimes and and so yeah i mean i had just written once like embrace terror in my like notebook and just sort of forgot it. i was looking back and looking at it and i just thought and i mean but then what this is, is it's like a Livestrong bracelet mm-hmm. for those of you who can't see. Um, <laughs> and it kind of initially was just kind of a joke of like the sort of cause, like the abstract kind of nature of like donation and yes. like standing for something. Right. You know, and sort of like in- inevitably it's kind of just like dissolves into this like capitalism sort of like excess right. boredom of kind right. of the object that's like meaningless but somehow – Keep calm and buy a keep calm T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of wanted to have something like that that would be sort of like my own, like my cause. I I love it, and I know exactly what you're talking about. There's something. First of all, that getting nervous being a good thing is something I was just talking about last night, and I I I, I sounded like I just came up with it, but that idea that that anxious burning fire that's always on is the pilot light. It, it's what helps us you know, heat up the water heater sort of thing or whatever pilot lights do. So that idea that a constant terror being a, a pretty decent thing. And productive. And oh, potentially productive actually, yeah, yeah the, the only way you're going to get through that, beyond that, just to walk directly through it. Right. And that, um, and yeah, and what would happen if actually instead of trying, like the meaning of life is not to avoid suffering. That's right. Well, that's so what, what if you just suffer? That's, that's right. <laughs> Every good myth starts with a character who needs to learn something that's a, just another Joseph Gamble quote. He says, the treasure you're looking for is in the cave you don't want to go in. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, all exactly. those stories, you know, it doesn't have to be Christ or, or Buddha. But like, you know, um, what is it? King Ar- Arthurian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so King Arthur going into the dark woods and all those stories of like the guy or the hero goes into the place you don't want to go and then learns that he had what he needed the whole time because it was inside of him. That's the story you'll never get tired of hearing. And that's the story of people embracing terror. Yeah, exactly. Thank right? you. So that's what those are. Yeah. And um, yeah, some people really really like to wear them. Yeah, I thought you had another one that says something else. Yeah, I have a few. I have one that just says, I feel. It looks different. <laughs> and then... <laughs> hey, I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I have another embrace terror, but it was the first one. It's you know, it's not as visually captivating as that one. No, oh, so it's scary. I like the pink so and teal yeah, on yeah. men. Yeah, yeah. No, it's nice. Um, Thank you. I know I travel with them a lot, and it's funny. It's like the TSA. I wonder sometimes, like you know, just the word terror now is oh, so yeah. has been repurposed. Well, you can't say bomb in an airport, but every one of them I've been in has a terminal C four. Come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Come on. So. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's a big thing. And that, that was the, uh, the conversation that we were having, which was we were talking about in a Masonic Hall. 
and I'm pointing at all the sculptures and stuff. And I was like, this works on me. This works on me. Like yes, all of it, it works on me. <laughs> and, and let it work. Yeah. Look at that owl. Yeah, yeah. Ah! And re- like religious stuff. Like I, again, like I said, I wasn't raised religious, but I went through so many, I went through like kind of like searching for God periods. Yeah. Like I went to a Christian camp and I was honestly, I was giving communion to kids, which is so funny. Cause I was like <laughs> a 16 year old Jew who like just got on birth control, but was a virgin. And I was just like giving the wafers, like body of Christ, you know? <laughs> And so, and I just loved it. I loved being swept up in that and sort of like mythic authority kind yeah. of weirdness yeah. that it gives you. And then, yeah, I went to Hebrew school, but never got bat mitzvah. And my mom took me to like see the Dalai Lama when I was young and like, you know, so I kind of was like dipping into, and I remember loving going with my cousins like to their Lutheran church mm. and just like being there and kneeling and, hmm. but all that, I think, yeah, all those rituals or that way of like just performing yourself mm-hmm. and the way people change when they're in those environments mm-hmm. and the way wor- words change mm-hmm. yeah just like things suddenly become inflected with this meaning that's like so theater ish yes. but somehow it's like supposed to be the most real right moment like that kind of right contradiction right is yeah it's such a human experience to yeah. be like this is the place where we use bigger words yeah and pretend yeah <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> well, we were also relating pretty hard over the idea that I was saying – I hate saying there's two types of people in the world. But I, I just find that there's people that have – there's three types. Not interested at all. Then there are people that have really felt like they've uh, sliced the apple so thin so many times in half they know what an apple is. And then there are people that are like, uh, we'll never know what an apple is. <laughs> yeah. And we were talking about how we're kind of in – the way I put it to you that time as I said – the real difference between me and a lot of people, uh, or I could say there's a lot of people like me and a lot of people that aren't this way, I'm fascinated with the question of what is reality. That's it. And and it's not, not in the, uh, like I said, slice the apple so many times so we can be like this is carbon and this is this and this is glucose and there's molecules and quarks and then subatomic. That's all very fascinating to me, but it's just like what is, what is this? What is this? What, yeah. what is consciousness? Why are we around? Why are we talking? Who is asking these questions? Uh, some people obviously would say it's my brain and my brain is functioning and I'm thinking and I'm saying what am I and that's that self-awareness is a product. But the thing that I said that blew your mind, remember, was a Deepak oh Chopra God, quote meat. when I said, yeah. yeah, your brain is a three-dimensional uh, solid object. Yeah. And we're told that it is perceiving piece a, of meat. That's what the a, meat comment. Piece was. of meat, yeah, piece <laughs> of meat that is perceiving another three-dimensional solid object, like a chair. So your brain sees a chair and it perceives the chair. So one thing oh. that's made of the same things as the other thing—molecules, quarks, all that stuff—down to the subatomic level—is perceiving the other thing. Like it's just so not. So that I know I can feel other people saying that aren't into this new agey stuff. And and that's fine. I'm I'm open to saying let's throw these bags off the train. Just to me and who I am, it's always interesting to go. I can't believe you add some electricity, some blood, some eyeballs, a mouth, and a nose, and some ears, and and sensory uh, feelings in your skin. That all of a sudden I'm constructing this rea- reality. Like yeah. I'm seeing my reality, which I'm not even sure is the same as your reality. But my brain is going chair. But my brain's made of the same shit as the chair. Yeah. When when people go, you can see. I was just reading that the things in your eyes that are floaties are proteins. Oh yeah, I just saw it today. Yeah, they're yeah. proteins, and I'm just like, 
Proteins is just a word for we don't know what the fuck. And that's so because that ex- happened to me. A couple it's weeks a type ago, of what the fuck. Yes, forever when you see that kind of like thread on your eyeball, like yeah. in a certain kind of light. Yeah. And you're suddenly so aware of your body mm-hmm. and just kind of like embodiment in general can be so scary. Yeah. 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 And just kind of that. I mean, yeah, we talked about that briefly the other mm-hmm. day, just like when I was younger, I would have, and I still have them like kind of out of body experiences. Right. Or kind of like disassociating. Tell me, tell the folks what you yeah. mean by that. Um, well, it's, I mean, I just remember, I remember it starting when I was just, yeah, I don't know how old I was, but like around five or something. So when you started going to therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right around that time, actually, I began to understand. I, um, but I remember walking, I remember like one specific instance of walking with like my class to the park and kind of like walking around the block, approaching the park and just having and like holding hands and it was like two by two, like the kind of mm-hmm. thing and just suddenly feeling and it kind of made me anxious, but I felt like, okay, so this is my body. Like, I'm walking down the street, and, like, this is my city, and then this is my state, and this is my country, and this is my... And just, like, it was, like, rings of existence, and it was really scary. I suddenly felt, like, super small, hmm. but also just completely out of control hmm. or just out of um, myself. Right. And kind of, like, looking around, like, looking at people and just being like, well, this is not right. Or like this can't be what it is. Like right. this is, this is way too, like normal. Like sometimes like normal things can feel so. Sorry, Kate. I yeah, just heard there's that a guy. man. There's a man on the phone. Yeah. I'm sorry. Normal things. Yeah, like when things feel kind of simple, it's like scary or something. Mm. Like uh, like or. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah, when, like just, when you're just in that moment instead of in the solar system. It, it's weird. It's inappropriate. It's weird. Yeah, or just like you, you're like, well, this is fu- this is fishy. Like something's not right here, or this is too held together to like mm-hmm. be held together, mm-hmm. or something. That's right. Yeah. It's too quiet. Yeah, it's a little bit too quiet. Yeah, that's what existence is. Yeah, it's quiet and it's a little too quiet. And that uh, would it would manifest a lot in my hands, even still sometimes. What do you mean? Just feeling um, like. Like my hands, maybe like going numb or something. Mm. Um, they don't go numb anymore, but sometimes I'll just have the experience of being like, "Well, that's weird." Like my hands, like just feeling separate from like just. I mean, I really do think that that's when I started like physical comedy or just like being wild or being crazy. Mm-hmm. When I'm when I was younger, I see it now. It was truly an attempt to like burst through this like the moment, just kind of like the banal moment, and mm-hmm. just kind of like and just try to like grab something, <laughs> like try to just like breakthrough mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and like and, and exert something because it just it was too kick it back on its heels yeah and just kind of yeah just to disrupt because people in the most boring board meeting ever just discussing the most banal topic ever and everyone just wants to die are still spinning around the sun at sixty six thousand miles an hour yeah and rotating at the equator at 1,000 miles an hour. And the Milky Way itself is moving at 600,000 miles an hour. That's insane. So even the most boring thing in the world, you should get outside of your hands. The problem is we're in our hands. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. And that's the whole thing I'm looking for, whether it's through philosophy or science. Wonderful. I know I just kind of talked about how science doesn't satisfy me. Often it does. <laughs> really gets me going. Yeah. Or mysticism or whatever it is. I'm just kind of like, I'm looking for that release shoot or an absurd performance. When I see somebody like Kurt, Kurt Braunahler 
calling people on a jet ski. I'm like, yeah, because that. Yeah. Right? Or just being able... I also remember when I was young trying to like say sentences that I was sure no one had ever said before, which was just putting words together that didn't make sense. Being right. like, there's a robust shoe inside the carnivalesque treehouse outside my aunt's farm. Just like, not even things that were funny necessarily. Right, right, right. But just like, like that right there. I'm like, I don't think I, has anyone right. ever said that. Right, right, right. And that kind of getting a weird thrill. Out yeah, of I want to do it. Yeah. Ernest Hemingway knew Benjamin Buttons. It's impossible, but toaster bacon is solid. It's solid, <laughs> David. <laughs> yeah. It did. And that's an original Yes. Well, that's, that's a thing that Keith Johnstone wrote one of my favorite books when I was younger called Impro, and he talked about calling things other things, like a table is mm. a babu. I said yeah. babu again. <laughs> I got babu on the brain. The table is, is the nimwit. Yeah. And if you use it and you go like, where did I leave my pen? It's on the nimwit. Oh, this is a good wooden nimwit. And yeah. then the more words you use for the things in your room, he doesn't say this, but my interpretation of what he means is it'll snap you into the moment. When you start thinking, I'm going to say something that hasn't been said before, you're putting yourself in the moment. You're saying like, I have infinite possibilities right now. Exactly. I can say anything. I can do anything. That's an exhilarating feeling for people. The worst feeling is when you go, I'm in line at the cafeteria and I'm going to get the same meal and then I'm going to go do the same thing and talk to the same guy and have the same sex with the same wife, watch the same Netflix. Yeah. But when you realize every single person that feels that way is still bound by nothing other than the constructs that they have enforced themselves, that they let in when they were young and then built up into, into huge idols that still govern them, even though they're 45 and named Todd. You know what I mean? Like you realize you're holding all the keys to all the doors, even if – and something like that, even though it's silly, but that's no more or less impactful than a beautiful prayer or a sermon or a, you know, hearty handshake. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It does the same thing. No, those and and I mean I going back a little bit just like ritual or the, how like out of body you can become or how like elated or like transformed mm -hmm. like you know, you can things can happen to you. Like um I remember truly being like on my knees saying that like rosary and like feeling Christ enter my body. Hmm. Like thirteen year years old and being like he's here and like completely i was meditating i just was repeating <laughs> just like repeating the rosary which yeah. was like it puts you in a trance i was in a trance i was yeah. on my knees i don't even think i don't know how old i was but but on but like feeling so high feeling mm. just like completely like a celestial i was like i believe in christ mm. completely like having that moment or like it wasn't even christ but just <laughs> but it was and then I, like and then forgetting about that experience co completely not caring separating myself completely from any sort of like religious right. affiliation and then years later like you know reading something like it's kind of like pseudo spiritual I didn't, and like feeling it again and being like oh yeah god mm -hmm. right right sure 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 well that's that's another joey cams thing he talks about when you're in manhattan and you go into church and suddenly you remember the transcendent you see light through a different way through the stained glass you smell the incense you hear the the music and all that sort of stuff and it's quiet then you go back outside and you're on 7th avenue again and then he's like the things the prayers and little things that we have that remind us of what it felt like when we were in the presence of God. Those are little touchstones to to keep us in that place because we do forget it. You forget it immediately. You even forget it 
we learned on the Science Mike episode, you have a transcendent experience, then you have to send it to your language center and find a way to tell me about it. Yeah. And all you have is, it was Christ, but it wasn't. He's here, which made me laugh so hard. <laughs> but then that's why we start saying little prayers or why we duck into places like churches or we meditate is because we're trying to remember how we felt when we were in the presence of something that escapes both thought and language. Yeah. This has been, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, where are you, what were you going to say? No, nothing. I just, just that completely. I just respond to that a lot and just, yeah, how malleable we are. Yeah. And like how, yeah, how quickly things can change. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah. And how many different us's we are in our lifetime. That's the main thing, I think. And which God for which me. Yeah. (laughs) It's troubling. Because the God when I was 22 fit me just right. I was like, this is great. And now I'm this 35-year-old jerk that's like, I love all the gods. (laughs) Who, me? I'm just picturing that, your book. Yeah. (laughs) Who, me? (laughs) That is funny. Where are you? So it sounds like we're in similar places now, but... Um, let's talk about death. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Mm. The end? Um, who knows? Yeah, I'd say it's the big, it's the big who knows. Yeah. Um, as someone who's always afraid of dying, less so maybe now, but always had a huge fear of just dying, everyone dying. Mm-hmm. hundred years, all um, new people. Yeah. Yeah. Sickness, the body. Yeah. Floaters. How fucking scary that is. Mm-hmm. So, uh. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I truly don't think about it kind of in this way. I mean, of course I do, right. but it doesn't um, – I guess I'm not interested in it almost. Sometimes I am, of course. Right. Well, that's Just a- constantly contradicting myself. No, I understand. <laughs> but uh, You're thinking about it, but the way you're thinking about it is to put it aside. Yeah. TJ had that great quote. It's not his quote, but he says, why would I fear death when I am death is not when death is I am not? So it is it – is, one of the great ways to relieve death anxiety is to go. You're dead. It's not a. It's over. Like my thing that I know is me and mine is you're dead. You're dead. Yeah. But then you don't have any like afterlife fear. You're open to the idea of some sort of thing or some sort of awareness potentially. Yeah. I don't. Know. I mean, I in no way believe in like any sort of judgment. Yeah. Um. There's plenty of that on Earth. Right. Um. Am I but, right? But uh. Yeah, I don't know. I think you might just kind of float around. I think there's there's, there's things oh, are too porous. become a protein in someone's eye. <laughs> yeah, things are too goddamn porous and weird and like I just yeah, there's got to be some like recycling. Yeah. process or something. Consciousness recycling. Yeah. I think that's interesting and I think I think that's right on. I think there is so much uh magic that if you are going to be a complete uh, rationalist, you're you're you have to block out a lot of stuff that people are reporting is happening. Yeah. Whether it's however many hundred UFO sightings there are each year, I know they're all weather balloons. We get it, <laughs> the government. Um, or if it's ESP, or if it's psychic phenomena. Yeah. I mean, like. I one of my biggest beliefs is that we just have an eject button. It's like a transcendent experience. If I tell you that there was a child missing in Salem, Massachusetts, and they got this woman, I, I think it was, oh, I, I don't want to get her name wrong. They got this local witch, you know, like a Wiccan priestess to help. And she like went into a place and then told the police where the body was. We hear that. Okay, so it's here now. Mm-hmm. It's here now. We're in the church. There's the stained glass, and here's the weird, transcendent, inexplicable thing. You can flush it down that that's just not true thing, 
Or even similar, just as equal to that, you can kind of think that's true and then just let it sink into where you keep your childhood phone numbers and it's gone. You know what I mean? But then I'm with you that I look at the world as just way too fucking weird. And I, again, this is not anti-science. I love science. I consider it a dance partner with, uh, with philosophy and, and with what are we, why are we here? What are we doing here? What is all this? And then why? I think they should be together. Uh, completely. And if something in religion is no longer valid, I think it should be thrown away, just like scientific theorems and forums adapt and change and grow um, if they're not you know, applicable anymore. Anyway, I don't remember where I was going, but I do see a lot of mystery in the world. And I do even think just consciousness itself is enough of a compelling question, just like we were saying in that weird temple that I was like, yeah. Just, just that we're talking about this is so weird to me. I think that, yeah, it's almost like the most scientific explanation almost has to be just we don't know. Right. Like that's, yeah. I think that's the same the same thing that, again, uh, that TJ podcast really blew me away. Philosophy and, and reason and uh, all that sort of scientific study can lead people to the same place that like even a mystical pursuit can. The guy that shaves his head and goes to India often comes back being like, we don't know. It's the wise man that says he doesn't know. And it's the fool that says he does. And scientists, you know, the deeper they go into weird things, when we start looking at, you know, particles that are disappearing, where are they going? And the mystic guy is the guy that says, maybe they're going somewhere else. And the scientist says, we don't know where they are. We will know, but we don't know right now. And I'm the guy that says, I don't even know what tools Who, you're, <laughs> you're using <laughs> yeah. to cut open, Adam. So I'm just going to be over yeah. here meditating and thinking I'm cool. I got to get back into meditation. I haven't done it in a while. I was I, so good. And then I just really? dropped. Just transcendent? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know. I love a trance. It's so good. Every time I meditate, once I get into that 15th minute and I'm like... <gasps> Oh, yeah. And I'm like, why don't I literally, it doesn't disrupt my meditation, but I'm like, why don't I do this every day? I know. The sweet crema. Yeah. Crema? Yeah. Creamy. It's just the creamy. <laughs> it's that sweet cream. So it sounded exactly like what I thought it, uh, thought it was. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts? Tear me. Oh, my God. I'm on my way to see her. <laughs> She's gone now. the stand-up is in a relationship with the best person he's ever been with the best sex the best everything but if he stops thinking about her for six days if he just wants some alone time he comes home and she's not there she's gone again she don't left (laughs) oh she's back now <laughs> Excuse me, yeah. so funny I'm dying. Oh my god. Well, here's some final questions we can ask. Um you can say what kind of soap do you use? What's the hardest mm, time? Dr. Bronner's. Oh, me too. Pepper? Oh, Thayer? Thayer get you into that? Uh no. Oh, you got this him was into year. that. I have no idea. Okay. I've been, you know, years. I uh I buy the Castile soap and I add my own peppermint. Don't hit it cuz oh it just coughed. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping it real. That is you can also add your own tea tree oil. Very exfoliating. I'm just thinking about switching over to almond. Mm, almond oil? Yeah, like there's an almond bronner's. Oh. I've seen it. Buy it. Yeah. The rumors are real. What's the hardest time you've ever laughed? I know. That's such a... I've, oh, I asked you that for the live one. Yo no sé. Yo no sé. Ayer yo supe, pero ahora yo no sé. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's fine. What about a sleep ritual? I bet you got one of those. How do you... 
What story do you tell yourself to fall asleep? Well, here's something. I just I fall asleep so quickly. <laughs> I mean, I close them and it's a minute. I'm done. I'm gone. Really? It's like I just like, get me out. Like I don't know. Or it's not yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I understand. Don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm, I feel you have a drop lucky down menu and you hit sleep because I don't. I don't have to take anything or even. It's just I can kind of sleep comfortably anywhere. Mm. Of course, if I'm if I'm going if I'm particularly anxious or particularly excited. I'll have trouble, but for the most part, even under those circumstances, I can just I can just go. Love it. Need it. No story. No time for a story. No time. I'm gone. I love that. Although I used to listen to music to go to sleep and then and a friend of mine recently reminded me that when I was sixteen I'd put on like the same like Ben Fold song on <laughs> this is so and on repeat, like was on the, the boombox. Dream- was it the dream one? And just all yeah. night. Oh wow. No, it was something like I think it was missing the war. Yikes. Which is like, and just yeah, that's to be good. in a room with that on repeat all night, and I'm gone. <laughs> oh, she was there. And she was trapped. Oh, my God. That's a nightmare. I was 15, you know. Yeah. You had only been in therapy for 10 years at yeah. that point. I do uh, not know. Do you want to do fake laugh into real laugh? Oh, yeah. That's a fun way to end. Do you know it? Just go. Just start. Oh, it's just a silly game. We then... st- oh, but you have to raise your hand when you're real laughing. Oh, okay. Which makes it fun. Okay. It's, okay. it's totally fun to yeah, lose. Yeah. We can do a couple rounds. Okay. Here's the first one. At the same time. Yeah, we're at the same time. Okay. I have to say, I'm just, now I feel like I'm really going really to. Silly. The joy is actually yeah, 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 really yeah, emerging. Um, Ready? When I went harder at it, yeah, yeah, it came in real fast. Yeah, it was quick. (laughs) Let's do one more. People love it. Uh, 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 That was really, uh, yeah. Oh, God. Well, Kate, you're so funny. Thank you so much for having me, Yeah, thank you for doing it. I mean it. Thank you. Looking forward to what happens in your career and your life. Thank you. Would you say keep it crispy? Keep it crispy. We do. And we will. And we shall. (laughs) That was great. (sighs) So great. Now leaving Nerdist.com.